This is Power Athlete Radio. With your host, Denny K, Professor Booty, and the Luke Summers. And now, toes forward, hips locked, shoulders set, and retract those scapulas. It's time for some knowledge bombs. got a good show in store for you today. As always, I'm joined with Luke Summers, Steve Playtech, and today we got a guest, Carl Case out of CrossFit South Bend. What's happening, fellas? What's going on? What's up, Danny? Not much, not much. So we've kind of had some pretty good shows uh, the past couple shows, right? Jesse Burdick, K-Star. K-Star gets you thinking of like mobility and positioning. I mean, that last episode rock hearing him and John just kind of geek out on, on their philosophy. So last night I fulfilled a lifelong, well, not a lifelong promise to my wife, but I always promised her that we would go see Bon Jovi, right? I'm, I'm more of a Metallica Slayer Slipknot guy. But every now and then you got to man up for your woman and either go see some kind of love movie, right? Or go see a concert of a, or play or something like that, right? A, uh, something that's interesting to her. So we go see Bon Jovi, <laughs> right? Living on a prayer, wanted dead or alive on a steel horse I ride, right? We're talking the man. <laughs> Dude, and he's up there. Bon Jovi and, and Bon Jovi. It's it gets good. It gets good. He's up there and he's dancing around. And I, I just kind of had a moment. I'm watching him and he's up on one leg. He's swinging his arms to the left and the right. His knees moving laterally, way extended to the left, way extended to the right. He steps, he turns, he's pivoting. Like he's his dancing was so like unmechanically sound, the exact opposite of everything that was talked about on the last episode. I was like, it's amazing that these people don't like get injured every single show because they're putting themselves in like compromising positions for like three hours straight. You know, we got to get K-Star been- on, on Bon Jovi's roadie crew. So he yeah, can <laughs> work serious, in- dude. I, I wonder how many or what, what's like the, the stat for performers getting injured during shows. I mean, you you hear about a twisted knee every now and then or somebody falling off a stage. Didn't They're all but, jacked up on painkillers anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Wait, I, I just thought that was so... Gaga, didn't Lady Gaga just dislocate her hip or something? Doing like, Yes. Yeah, I've heard K-Star mention something about that. And then yeah. didn't, didn't the dude from Rage Against Machine break his foot? Like, hopping yeah. around watching? Dude, it's tough to be a rock star. It's hard. I know. <laughs> so somebody told you? Well, you know, I played rock band pretty seriously for a couple of years, and uh, it went. It was pretty good, you know, signing autographs. Speaking of which, yeah. we just got an order last week uh, for a T-shirt signed by Callie Hinsman. Really? Yeah. I'll take one of those. <laughs> well, you don't want my autograph, Steve? Was no good? I, I don't take autographs from homeless people. Oh yeah, told <laughs> you guys that in confidence before we hit record. Mm. My bad. For the record, I'm not actually homeless. I just appear to be homeless. 
But um, so, what, yeah, that was <laughs> that was pretty interesting. So while you're at Bon Jovi this weekend, uh, what what was everyone else doing? I know Callie and I were out in Utah putting on a seminar. That that went well. But what about what about you guys, Steve? What did you do this weekend? I uh, I hiked ten miles and did some backcountry camping. Um, killed my food, lit a fire, lived caveman life. Nice. <laughs> I did okay. not take my female companion to see. Uh, bon Jovi and an analyze movement patterns on stage. Denny, you sound like a real romantic. <laughs> I can be. I'm, I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, I didn't go camping or see Bon Jovi or anything, but just kind of spent the weekend celebrating my birthday with uh, some friends and watching some football. So it was a pretty good weekend. Nice, dude. Nice. So How about you, Luke Summers? Oh, dude, I, was, I told you I was working all weekend. Yeah, it's true. But uh, it was pretty cool. We were down in Utah. Basically, whenever we go down, Yelp is our guiding light in the terms of we're always looking for like a legit food place to go eat at, something that's local. Uh, You won't be able to get at home type deal. And I came across this place. You know, one of the searches we throw out there is um, grass-fed burgers. And we came Mm -hmm. across this place in Utah called Bomb Diggity Burger. It's pretty legit. We go so you in there, and it's just like a, a fast food place. It, it looks like you know, like I, I guess I was expecting maybe more of. a Carl, remember when we were in Hudson? We went to that burger place. Yeah, I just asked you how compared to Flipside or whatever it was called. Yeah, so Flipside was like a pre, I would call it a premium burger place. But this yeah, does uh, uh, bomb diggity burger, which was in Utah, was um, it was like fast food joint. You know, you order, boom, get your food in a, a couple minutes. But all the meat, everything they had there, the produce and stuff, was all like locally sourced and organic and grass fed and free range and stuff like that. And I thought like, why isn't every place like this? You know, why yeah. couldn't, theoretically, why couldn't, I know there's scale that you have to accommodate for it. I'm not saying suggesting McDonald's or something like that, but why couldn't there be a location like that in every city? And it was, uh, yeah. it's pretty good. I'm not going to say it's the best burger. It was no flip side, Carl, cause that was a pretty good burger, but <laughs> yeah. it was, it was pretty good, you know, and uh, I don't know, just cool to see something like that. And, and the folks down in Utah have that type of stuff available. to them. If you jokers ever come out here to visit me in uh, northeast Atlanta, there's a place out here called the local republic. It's the same thing, but it's probably more of an upscale thing. At, and instead of burgers, you get locally grown grass fed steaks. I like oh, yeah, we, look that, we look for that, too. Uh, not not a lot of places have that stuff, though, but uh, no, I'm so in. And in terms of if we ever come, we have, I know. Atlanta. Oh, fuck. Forget it. I forgot I said that. Forgot I said that. We have we have Atlanta on the books for next year, dude. So here's All how right. the sapphires are going to work next year. We've, um, we've, hit, we've hit our tipping point of work right now. So what we're actually going to do is we're going to limit some of the seminars. We're going to really focus on some of our satellite coaches booking around like guys like Carl. Uh and and we're just going to have a set number of seminars we're going to have them all out there by the beginning of the year and people are going to know when we're going to be places and where we're going to be there and uh at the end of the day if you want to get in on the crossfit football seminar next year there's limited courses and they're all going to be up by gen one and you're going to know where we're going to be so uh we have a lot of stuff to take care of in 2014 <laughs> and it's just a way for us to kind of mobilize our time and 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 really knock some stuff out because what we're going to try and do uh, kind of a good segue with the Wayne's Wings thing is is take it up a notch and rather than just uh, have it be a fundraiser for a few months at the end of the year, we're going to try and figure out how to make it an annual 
um, annual initiative and see if that's possible. And it's just, uh, you know, we've, we've done such, made such an impact. We broke our $30,000 goal. I think we're a thousand dollars over that right now. Uh, I know Carl's team over at CrossFit South Bend, they crushed it. Uh, Freddie's team, they're crushing it. A couple of the other teams are doing a great job. We are getting shirts in tomorrow. We're going to be shipping them all out this weekend. Uh, donations are still open. We are scheduling, I believe, at the end of the month, we're going to have a cutoff in terms of uh, donations that will be eligible for for shirts. So if you're, you're a location that's focusing on collecting for uh, on the day of the event, which is November 12th, we're going to have our, our Wade's Wad. But if you're focusing on focusing your efforts on that, I'd suggest getting uh, trying to collect those donations before that because uh, or suggest especially if you feel that uh, you know getting a Wade's Army shirt is going to be a selling point. We are likely going to be cutting that off just logistically uh, in terms of reaching order minimums. We're going to have to know how many shirts we want to ship out by the end of the month. But uh, yeah, we're crushing it. I know you know, and I know. These guys on the podcast, Steve, Carl, Denny, I saw those, their names come across the donations. Uh, it's it's awesome, and I think we're doing a great thing here. So yeah, that's that's part of kind of the the static schedule for next year for the seminars. But so Steve, on that point, we'll be in Atlanta. We're gonna stay at your house. All right, take us to get some grass fed steaks, <laughs> and we're all gonna have a blast. And you're gonna drag me to the seminar once and for all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sounds good. You're all welcome. Empty house now. Beautiful. Good to go. But uh, what else? What else? Uh, did you, Denny? I know we before we talked, you said you might have some questions on like event day, how you manage that. But yeah, well, I got an email from Tex um, just saying like, here's a status where your team's at. You know, we're here to help. If there, he sent me some uh, like some poster um, templates, you know, just just some some help to get some creativity going on on ways to, you know, kind of spice up everything going into November 12th, um, to kind of boost some donations and to get uh, everybody kind of fired up for the wad. I know on the last episode, we talked about, um, our friend Neil down at CrossFit Naperville. He's doing like uh, the battle of the burbs, you know, a, a separate event. Um, Carl and I were talking before the show on, you know, some of the things that CrossFit South Bend was doing and, uh, cross or, uh, Carl, what was, what were some of the ideas, uh, that you guys had planned on that? Yeah. So what we were going to do is on November 12th, we we're just going to kind of the whole gym just kind of decked out in weights, uh, trying to like get the characters and logos all over the place, um, decorating our pull-up system, kind of getting the whole place kind of in the feel. And then our whole gym that day, we'll be doing Wade's workout. And then we'll kind of t- take a advantage of that, kind of try to get some on-spot donations that at the end of the day, we'll uh, put through um, to the to Wade's wings. And then our 5.30 class is really the one that we're going to try to push people towards, try to make like a big deal out of this. So we've really been pushing this pretty well. We just finished fundraising for Barbells for Boobs. So now we've really shifted our focus to, uh, to Wade's and we're going to try to make it a big deal here. Yeah. And, and we kind of do the same thing. Um, we kind of announce it every day, uh, on our whiteboard, we got a, like kind of a countdown thing, um, just to kind of, you know, keep everybody informed. Uh, 
we, you know, like on Facebook in our area, there's like uh, an affiliate page, you know, where there's like uh, multiple affiliates in our county and the surrounding counties just kind of let everybody know um, of local competitions that we might be doing. But we've kind of put, you know, the Wade's word, um, Wade's army word out there with, you know, other groups that uh, CrossFit boxes that might not follow the CrossFit football programming or not, you know, and just they're unaware of, of what's going on. So using social media like that is we've seen some pretty good results. We encourage some of our um, members to bring some of their family and our friends on that specific day to try and do the workout. You know, of course, we'll scale it back, but um, we kind of ran like a, an elements group outside of our normal schedule just to kind of bring those people up to speed on just the kind of movements that they're going to be doing in that workout. So, it, and that seemed to work out pretty well and spark some interest. So we're kind of looking forward to it. But my point is if there's anybody out there who, you know, is still unsure of where to go or, if, you know, uh, how they can kind of spark some interest, email these guys, you know, email text, email uh, the power athlete crew and, and ask for, you know, any kind of ideas that they might have because they're, they're communicating a lot more with a lot more uh, people, you know, in, with this event than, you know, I know I am. So I just, I mean, they're, they're still there and there's still time. Yeah. Yeah. And the email address you're going to want to hit up is Wade's army, W A D E S A R M Y all one word at power And that's going to get to the right people. So I know personally at Balboa, we're, we're programming for the day. Same thing that Carl's really got. You know, we're going to deck out the gym, get people in their Wade's Army shirts. We're going to have banners floating around. And uh, the evening classes tend to be the more popular classes for us. So we're going to try and push people who are Lex members. Let's say they come in the morning or in the afternoon and sometimes in the evening. We're going to try and get the big crowd in the evening. And we're going to do a little film, uh, put together a little video and and post it up. And I encourage, you know, that's what we're, we're looking forward to to really help build awareness is if anyone's going to be filming, taking pictures, any media that you guys want to put together, you know, Carl, Denny, uh, you know, we're going to hit up Freddie and basically all the teams and try to have like a, a media consolidation strategy. So we can put together a big slideshow and stuff and, and show, you know, show the, the Wade's wings foundation, what, what our people are doing and, and start to build awareness for it. So it's going to be great, man. It's, I think, uh, I want to thank everybody who's involved, going to get involved. Uh, Everybody, thanks so much for your time and, and for the gracious donations. Yeah, cool. We're doing about the same thing at, uh, at CrossFit Gwinnett, having kind of like the day that's going to be the class wad throughout the day, have like a donation bucket or whatever, where they can log on and do something. Um, just, you know, I think that's really what you have to do is just get out there and just get your members getting moving and realize the cause. I've, I've put out some uh, printouts of the... Um, uh, the post that John has and some of the, the Wade's army stuff for people to just like have on hand and read about and sort of get passionate about it. So, um, yeah, we're hoping to raise some money too. Nice. That's awesome. Um, all right, let's shift gears a little bit, Carl. Uh, like Luke had said earlier, you're like one of the, um, on the intern staff, uh, mm -hmm. working up to be like satellite coaching, right? right. Tell, uh, Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and what you guys are doing out at CrossFit South Bend. Okay. Yeah. So um, I guess I'll kind of start just with my get involved in with CrossFit. So 
kind of found CrossFit um, like in 2007 because of some guys I played rugby with. And after being involved with that, kind of then one of their friends on the rugby team's like, hey, there's this thing called CrossFit football. It looks like it'll work really well for rugby. So it's kind of evolved from that and kind of been throughout following um, CrossFit football ever since. And then last year when they um, put off that kind of the call out, it kind of seemed to fit. And so it's just kind of been since then getting to seminars, really trying to uh, learn the stuff, get the stuff down and then implying or using that within our gym to kind of just continue to spread it. And is your gym like, cause I've gone on the website and looked and it. Are you guys following the program solely or am I just looking at like a part of what you guys are doing over there down there? Yeah. So right now we currently have um, two classes that we offer. So we kind of like our general population or our, our main programming and for our main programming. Yeah, we are very heavily CrossFit football inspired myself, the other owner, some other coaches and members. We've been following uh, CrossFit football for a while. So that has a heavy influence on us. So for our general population, we use the collegiate uh, strength template to program the strength for our general population. Uh, we kind of like that because it offers a little bit of variety. Ideally, everyone would do it with the linear progression, but sometimes it's hard to tack down people. Um, and then for our Metcons, we kind of follow the same guidelines that we set out in the seminar for that. But then we'll also add in some more, I guess you can say CrossFit E type movements. So we'll still do things like, like the David wall balls or do longer runs or something like that kind of fits a little bit outside of the, the CrossFit football uh, specificity. And then we also offer a CrossFit football specific class where we just follow the uh, website as written um, one week behind. Nice. That's awesome. And you know, how's, uh, what, what kind of, I mean, how do you see like the client uh, morale with those options? I mean, cause I've, I've thought about doing the same thing here offer like a, a CrossFit football class only, you know, or, or something more specific. And I'm just curious and how, you know, success stories of how that's working. Yeah. So for our, um, for our CrossFit football specific class, I think it's kind of allowed people can, we always ask people CrossFit mantra, uh, what are you training for? And so I think this allows people another outlet if they have specific goals, whether, um, we have some people in there just looking to get bigger, stronger, faster. And so that really fits their goal so they can shift into another class. That's going to be more in line with that. And then we do have some, um, athletes that, uh, it fits right with their sport. So it gives them another option outside of our general programming, um, to get some more coaching and, uh, more directed programming. So I think they really enjoyed it a lot. And one thing, you know, one, one thing Carl has insight to, because he, Carl, how many, you've been to what, a handful of seminars assisting, right? And then not the, the couple that you've also attended as an attendee. Yeah, that's correct. You know, after you get to through a half dozen of these things, you, you begin to understand the difference between CrossFit football, the application and the application of the method that we, we refer to as power ethic. You know, so even though Carl's saying like, hey, you know, we got to we got to throw in some more um, traditional functional movements that you'd see in a general pop class. Just to keep our people happy. You cross of football. The seminar is one thing and the program is one thing. When you go to the seminar, we covered the, the template, right? What you see on the website is really an, an application of the template we cover in the seminar. 
So there's kind of this pecking order. We start with the method, the power athlete philosophy, which is posture, position, replicating movement patterns in in the sport that you're training for, which is now how you replicate or what movement patterns you're going to in, incorporate are going to be based off of the, our favorite tagline. What are you training for? Right. So that's how we reverse engineer it. Then we got to determine what the athlete's limiting factors are. We take the template, assess limiting factors, and then we apply the template and the methodology to create a program. That's how you get to this program, right? And uh, and you could skin that dozens of different ways and still elicit a very similar training response. You know, and, and we do the same thing at Balboa. I mean, we we start at the method base. We have our staff meeting, sit around a table. We talk about. Uh, you know, what are we, we establish really, really with your general pop, you establish the goals for them. Cause a lot of people walk in and you go, what are you training for? And you're like, what do you mean training? I just show up to have a good time. It's like, well, okay. Uh, so as a coach, it's my responsibility to establish your training goal. And then we put together a program that's conducive to that training goal. And then we provide an experience based off of that program. So you, and you get to understand where the divergence is because as part of the seminar, we have people programmed. Right. We have them put together a program and it, every program is based off of the experience of the attendee. So you, you see where who who gets it and understands how to apply the method and then who doesn't and who just kind of resorts to throwing darts and going back to their own programming practices. But, you know, it's just it's interesting to hear Carl talk about how he how he implements this stuff. And we have we also have CrossFit football class. We it used to just be a few guys on the on the periphery and on the fringe doing the workouts. And then we formalized it and decided to throw a couple coaches and dedicated to them, to our people because we didn't think they wanted that. That none of them have indicated that they wanted to train like a power athlete, even though they already were. And uh, now it's our most popular class. I mean, we have 25, 25 people on a daily basis in our CrossFit football class, and uh, and we're holding them to a higher standard. And we, you know, since it's a program that the demands are already assumed, we've already established what you're training for. We put together the the sets reps and movement patterns that are going to drive the stimulus we want people are just having a blast with it you know so denny i guess what i'm saying is if you want to put the if you build it they will come you'll be surprised at how many people are gonna be like what is this thing i want in on it you know and uh what we've done as coaches here at balboa is put our foot down in the sense that when it comes to training for gpp and uh, getting fit there is room there is room for margin of error right you can let some things slide some people have poor movement patterns but it's unloaded so you're going to be okay with it and it's about having a good time and getting in shape that works but when you know when you have this crossfit football class it's it's about enforcing the methodology and and you guys know what it is we preach it we preach it for 30 episodes on this this podcast <laughs> And you heard K-Star and John argue to a phantom website about it for an hour and 20 minutes <laughs> last week, you know? <laughs> so I guess that's, my that's one of the that. biggest things that I've, I've learned from doing these shows and attending a, a, um, a couple seminars and just, um, you know, watching the program uh, for four years was or is it's once you start understanding like the theory of it, it it's heavy weights, it's practical, you know, obviously posture and position, but I mean, it, it transfers into everything, you know, and I, 
I like when I talk to people and say stuff like CrossFit football who are unaware of it, they're like, well, I don't play football. You know, the name I think kind of, kind of throws it off right away. And it's like, well, more, no, it's more like, uh, it's more like a constant search in human performance. You know, the things that you're doing, it's like you guys are doing all these experiments and you, you, what you put out there is, you know, what you know works and it's like biomechanically sound, you know, you're not Bon Jovi fucking running around on one leg, swinging your hips side to side, all this unnatural, ugly movement. That's not acceptable. You know, what is acceptable is shit that's proven, um, proven on the field, you know, proven, uh, in the world of physics and, uh, obviously just picking up heavy shit, you know, you throw in the ability to, or, you know, the programming of picking up heavy weights just makes it more fun. You know, um, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is just like by, um, learning more, I can just see how the program is just like this, the search for like, uh, the top level performance that a, you know, a human can, can perform in, I guess. Yeah. Cool. Steve, are you awake? I am. Yeah, no, I, I was on mute because. I know, man. No, um, but I feel the same way. Yeah, it's like just like trying to reach an optimal, right? Some kind of like optimal human condition. Um, and that's probably different for like somebody like me who's about to, you know, push that 4-0 mark. And uh, right now I'm training a couple kids that are, uh, one kid is 19 years old. He's like, he says to me, I can't wait until I'm not a teenager anymore. And I'm like, I so I like kick him in the balls, like, fuck you, you know, but the power athlete model works perfect for him because he's a semi pro baseball player. And so applying that model is perfect, but it doesn't always apply for like the housewives, but you can still, you can tweak it to, to solve any problem of optimizing, you know, position and posture and, and fitness is that's kind of my idea about it. You know, and, and that's, that's a good segue into our next part. I mean, how, how would you tweak that for say a swimmer, right? We had somebody, uh, send an email to power athlete headquarters, Chad Dame. Um, he says, hi, I'm a strength coach for our school. It's main focus is football. I've been using the CrossFit football programming with good results. I've tried to get other sports to do this as well for the power athlete benefits. One sport I'm wondering about is swimming. What's your opinion on using the CrossFit football program for swimming? Um, I guess, you know, obviously you would have to tweak that somehow, but we probably should have had Roth on. Yeah. So here's, yeah. So here's, here's the deal. Like as you evaluate the sport, what, what is, what is the ultimate training goal? You tap into either, uh, energy system and you reinforce movement patterns. And when you think about a swimmer, what they're utilizing both compound joints, your hips and your shoulders. So I would consider them an overhead athlete. So you have to retain the integrity of that shoulder girl so you can effectively reach and pull and go through your stroking motion. Now, when you look at the energy system, it's like track, right? Um, you have long distance athletes and short distance athletes. And I'm not sure what, so he's high school, right? Denny? Yeah, he's he's high school. So he's high school football oriented, and it sounds like he wants to get the swim team involved in lifting some weights. Then get him to lift weights. I mean, at, at the end of the day, on those in terms of those younger athletes, uh, they're going to be able to accomplish anything. 
right? I mean, when you get to that young athlete, you just, you build posture, you build position, you start building coordination, movement pattern, and, um, and the rest kind of comes, right? <laughs> you guys want to tap in with anything. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to comment on that real quick. Cause we just recently had a couple of swimmers show up at our gym, a high school swimmers. Um, they swim for uh, swim Atlanta and, um, basically applying power athlete model, right? So they squat a couple of times a week, they press, they do the power moves, power snatch. Of course, we always do power snatch and power cleans and jerks because of our gym and uh, quick little 12 minute or less finishers conditioning within six weeks, both of them broke through their goals. The one kid came in, he wanted a sub one minute, I don't know, hundred or something. Um, kid must weigh about 40 pounds and came in and just busted through it, starting to get muscle starting to get lean, strong overhead is going up like crazy. I think he probably weighs maybe 80 pounds. I think he squatted hundred kilos the other day. I mean, it was like ridiculous. Um, and so it's the same thing you, it's just, it's a performance based. So if they, you know, you get in, get them lifting weights and then do the right kinds of movements, um, train them like a sprinter. If they're a sprint swimmer and train them like a long distance runner if they're a long distance swimmer and then get them to lift weights because it's always going to benefit them get them to do some dynamic hip movement and stabilize that shoulder girl like you said luke yeah and, definitely uh, we've had some great results with our swimmers um doing well like making making state level teams and stuff like that that's awesome yeah one thing i had kind of thought of when um we have, i've dealt with only a handful of swimmers over the summer we had one and I don't know if Chad's been to um, across the football seminar, but a lot of the drills that we work on um, and skills work on that separating the hips from the shoulders. So I know an event like a freestyle, that is very crucial to be able to, when you turn to open up to breathe, not to have your whole body turn with you. So that was one thing um, that we worked on with our swimmer was to really uh, drive home that separation of the hips and shoulders because he was a freestyle swimmer. And then just kind of that violent hip extension, getting off the blocks. I know um, he said kind of if you can get that block, you can get that good start, you can get out a bit more. Um, that was very beneficial to him. So those were kind of some of the carryovers I saw from the CrossFit football um, methodology into uh, his specific sport. Carl made a great point. Like, have you been to the seminar? When we talk about CrossFit football program, what we're publishing on CrossFitFootball.com is simply a strength workout and a conditioning workout. Part of a program is going to be your warm up, your cool down, uh, whatever you know, sports specific skill work you're going to be doing, what other you know, other skill work that you're going to be doing. And we can't, we just can't program that on the site because we don't know if you are truly a football player, if you're a swimmer, if you're a track athlete. You know, we we provide you with a shell of a program. So. What Carl said is great. Like this skill building that we do within a, a warm up, we preach this at the cert. You know, a warm up's your opportunity to elevate central or elevate heart rate, stimulate central nervous system function, and uh, increase increase blood flow, right? But that's that's just kind of the superficial purpose of a warm up. When we have our athletes warm up at our gym, we accomplish that. You could do that a thousand different ways, but if you could pair it with warm-up protocols that also build the skill to do things like separate your hips from your shoulder, dissociate uh, hip extension with uh, spinal extension, right? Like there's all sorts of bad habits that we have 
And we have to actively work on breaking those habits and building good movement patterns. And that just does not happen when you start the clock, right? So you trick your athletes. You say you're doing a warm up. You make something hard. It effectively warms them up and prepares them for the workout. But what you're actually doing is spending 20 minutes in unlearning shitty movement and building good movement. And uh, I guess, you know, my opinion of using CrossFit football program for swimming, do it. But what you have to effectively, it, it won't hurt your swimmers, but what you have to effectively do is for those athletes that don't have good habits and can't separate, like Carl said, they turn their head, they turn their whole shoulders, they turn their hips. Now, all of a sudden, they're in a an effective position to transmit force and continue swimming. How are you going to fix that? Right. And we have those tools at the seminar and that's, that's in the form of uh, a half a dozen of the warm up protocols that we have implemented that are focused on developing proper mechanics in terms of separating shoulders from hips. There you go, Chad. <laughs> there you go. That's a great answer. So I guess the answer is go to the cert and we'll, we'll blow your mind and give you all your answers you need. <laughs> yeah. Well, it should almost be assumed that if you're listening to this or if you're going to email, you know, you guys out there that you should have, you should have attended a cert by now. Oh no. I wish that was the case, Danny. I mean, come on, <laughs> step up to the plate. We're still that was the first seminar I ever went to. I mean, that picture that John put out there on his on his bulking protocol number two, he's got his arm around Neil. That was probably taken at the cert that I went to. Yeah, it was. He was huge. I remember it reminded me of that scene out of the Green Mile where John <laughs> Coffee comes up. He's gonna heal that sheriff's wife's, you know, the, the sheriff's wife. She's screaming in bed, she's got this tumor or whatever. And John Coffee like has to step down to to step into the normal doorway. And then he stands back up again and he's almost like head to the ceiling. That's how John Wellborn walked into CrossFit Naperville. Yeah. Dude. We all just kind of were sitting around. We turn our head. He bows down to walk through the door. And then he stood up and filled up the whole place. Well, what you got to do is he was bowing down to me because he knew I was going to be the future catalyst of CrossFit football power athlete. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of looked at you and then you looked at him. You guys gave each other this weird nod like you've grew up with each other or something. And then it was like that scene. No, I'm seeing like these Hans and Franz videos of you and Ben. I'm like, look at Luke, man. He's like part of the staff now. Uh, yeah, I was, I'm, yeah, I, I was thinking about that yesterday as John and I were running and Aaron, we we're going up to LA. I'm like, how the hell did I get here? What the hell happened to me? But here I am pursuing world domination. Um, yeah. He's got a picture of that cert with, it's like a, uh, the cert staff, which was him, Kate, Roth, and Ben with our coaching staff. And uh, I'm just kind of off to the left. And, dude, I look like I weigh maybe 150 pounds. And it's because at that time, that's what my training was. We didn't, you know, we hadn't, while I was following CrossFit football to a T, we, we entered a, like, a six month paleo challenge and, and results based challenge. And, you know, as, as kind of like the, as a head trainer across from Naperville, it was my job to really embody and embrace the initiative and, and, and be part of it and be in the mess with it, with all of our clients. And it was a weight loss deal. And the best way I knew how to lose weight was increase activity, reduce caloric consumption 
And that's what uh, that's what we were doing. And Jay Willie just kicked the door in like Kramer. He's here right now. John, we're talking about <laughs> uh, that picture you post on Bulking Protocol. The one where your traps are as big as, uh, I don't know. Neil's head. Neil's head. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, dude. So I, I was like caloric restricted. I was down to maybe 185 pounds there, but I was shredded. But then, uh, you know, I realized that week uh, at that seminar, one of the workouts is some runs, some pull-ups and deadlifts at 315. And dude, it took me like 18 minutes to get that workout done because I would not break. I would not break form. I rested as much as I needed. And, uh, and the deadlifts were heavy for me. You know, I think it's only like 15 deadlifts we have to do um, on the podcast, uh, 15 deadlifts that we have to do at, on this workout. And like, that was just, we just did that workout two days ago and it took me, what was it spring? Like three minutes ish, maybe five. I don't know. Somewhere in there (laughs) on on your bulking protocol. Oh, Oh, where where we put on that. I'm looking at right now. I'm showing him a picture right now, Denny, and his trap is legitimately his right trap is the size of Neil's face. (laughs) (laughs) I know, man. I was real strong. man. (laughs) Over 700 at that point. So uh, definitely uh, a lot bigger. Yeah, man, those 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 were the days just weighing under 200 pounds, getting tossed around like a rag doll. <laughs> but you had those abs. That's right, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what else, Danny? What else? Well, we got Inkladon coming on the show uh, next. Yeah, Don- you guys have heard. Um, you've heard John. You've heard Lou refer to uh, Tom Inkladon. If not, you can go to his website and here's here's this like a couple sentences. Uh, for those of you who don't know who this man is, here's what it says. Since 1989, Dr. Thomas Inclinon has maintained a significant role in the fields of human health and sports performance enhancement. He currently serves as a CEO of Human Performance Specialists, Inc. and Human Health Specialist, where he helps individuals for all walks of life improve their health, quality of life, and athletic performance. He also advises some of the world's most popular dietary supplement and nutraceutical companies on effective formulations. <laughs> this guy's telling fucking supplement companies what to put in their product. Right? I think you got to let John give give a proper representation of who Dr. Tom Inclinon is. Okay. Um, I actually... Tom called me at like seven o'clock this morning. So I got about an hour of uh, Inklet on this morning. Um, <laughs> Dr. Tom is uh, not only a scientist, um, but also probably one of the smarter people on the planet in terms of uh, just the, the body and, and uh, you know, supplements and food. I mean, if you do a search on him, I mean, the guy was writing for muscle and fitness long before anybody you know, on this podcast, even knew what muscle and fitness was. Um, Tom is also uh, holds a couple world records in strongman. Um, I know he rack pulled like nine thirty eight at a body weight of like two hundred pounds. So he has got like a four times body weight rack pull. He was also uh, training as an Olympic lifter, so he was a high caliber Olympic lifter when he was younger. Um, I know he also graduated from like like Doogie Howser style. I graduated <laughs> high school pretty young, like in his teens, you know, low teens. Went to college. Uh, went to med school, dropped out of med school because um, he thought that it was kind of a hand job, and he uh, realized that he was he would his time would be better served working as a scientist. Um, I met Tom in two thousand and 
2001 or 2002. Um, Wasn't it like the parking lot of Sizzler or something? Yeah, it was actually on Sunset Boulevard outside the Comedy and Magic Club. I had gotten sick uh, my first year in Kansas City, which would have been in 2003, rather. And I had, uh, you know, got all this work done. I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. I just was like hammered all day. Like I couldn't move. My body was aching. I was having a lot of problems. I know we talked about this a little bit. And I thought, seriously, I put it into, got on the internet, and it, the internet told me I had uh, leukemia. So I called, um, I, I, swear to God, I, I swear to God, like you go to public med, you start looking at, uh, you know, symptoms. And it's like, yeah, I got leukemia. So I call my buddy, uh, Bob Sapp. And I'm like, Bob, I think I have leukemia. And he's like, you don't have leukemia. I'm like, dude, public med said I had leukemia. And uh, he's like, well, I know this scientist guy that works with uh, terminally ill patients. And he's, uh, you know, pretty much like if you have no hope, literally like death's knocking on your door, you call this guy and he's one of the best in the world. So I called the guy up and he's like, hey, I happen to be in L.A. I'm actually uh, up at the Comedy and Magic Club on a, you know, on <laughs> on a date but he's like if you want to drive up here i'll sneak out and we can talk in the parking lot and i'm like this is my kind of guy you know instant service so i get in the car i'm at my mom's house in uh palos verdes torrance area and i drive up there and i meet tom and this guy comes out and he's you know pretty muscular dude and i'm like oh, this guy's a scientist and you start talking with him and he's like this dude's pretty heady and he's like well let's start testing so the next week i go to tom's house over in arizona and in his kitchen he took like somewhere between 60 and 70 vials of blood off me over like three or four hours. I thought I was like a vampire. He stole so much blood and he did this whole workup on me and found out that I had been infected with, uh, of the 15 types of toxic mold that he tested me for, like, you know, toxic level of all of them. So he put me on a supplement protocol and we started doing some IVs and a bunch of stuff. And in a matter of three weeks I was better. And you know, these doctors were, you know, couldn't tell me what's wrong. So, Tom's really been my go-to guy for, you know, supplement testing. He's worked with pretty much the who's who of the NFL, uh, Major League Baseball. I remember one time he called me and he was in New York. Uh, he, he had gotten flown out there to work with some professional athletes. And he's like, yeah, I just worked on this guy named D-Rod. And I was like, you mean A-Rod? He's like, yeah, 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 Alex, Alex. I thought it was a D. Tom's not a sports fan and doesn't know who anybody is. He's just, um, you know, he's worked with, you know, professional fighters. I mean, he's he, he, he has worked with probably more professional athletes and more big time people than uh, anybody I've ever met in my life. And is pretty much, I believe right now, probably the foremost expert in the world on uh, on cartilage and joint regeneration. About almost 10 years ago, we started talking about how do you rehab joints? You know, I mean, these guys, uh, you know, myself included, uh, you know, damaged knees, damaged shoulders, Tom from having a successful strongman career has got a, you know, injured hip and his elbow and, and, uh, a lot of different, uh, injuries and has pretty much become the foremost expert, I believe in the world on cartilage regeneration and the rehabbing of, uh, of joints. So if you guys want to know about, uh, you know, sports medicine for fixing injuries, Tom also had an interesting deal where, when he was at Arizona State finishing his uh, his uh, uh, one of his degrees, they did a pro, um, they did a, a program where they actually trained a bodybuilder and was the last all natural uh, winner of an open bodybuilding co of a major bodybuilding contest. And I, I think it was the either the Arnold or the Night of Champions or some big bodybuilding show. And they actually trained the guy for their research project, and he was the last all natural winner that that they've uh, had. And you can talk to them about how they did it and the, the testing and the matrix and all that. So in terms of performance, uh, you know, uh, injuries, I mean, you know, anything you want. I mean, he is 
out the world's expert, or at least I believe pretty high up there. If, if there's if there's somebody who knows more than him, I'm sure he's contacted him and already done like a brain drop on him. So uh, I've, I've been going, you know, dealing with Tom for years and I've taken these guys out to work with Tom and they always kind of leave and they're like, dude, this guy is uh, entirely way too smart. So, and a super strong guy and knows a lot about training. He's got a performance center over in Arizona and uh, we do a lot of work with him. He's spoken several times for the CrossFit football seminars and um, has really been pretty sharp and, and uh, you know, in terms of supplements and, you know, fueling performance and, um, even though we kind of disagree on some things, he's uh, he's always been real enlightening for me. Awesome, awesome. So we got him scheduled for the next show. That's gonna rock. And there's a few other guests we're lining up. So there's a lot going into 2014. Power Athlete Radio taking over the world. So so, what'd you guys think of the bulking protocol? Loved it. I loved it, man. I it, it's right at where I need to be. I just Last weekend, I finished up, uh, it was called the Mid-American Weightlifting Championships um, in Schaumburg, Illinois, at, a, at CrossFit Rise. And now that that's kind of over with, How'd I'm ready to just kind of change my training a little bit. The majority of it's been like Oli, you know, snatch, clean and jerk, squat, front squat, press, all that. So I want to um, get back to... Uh, just like, you know, CrossFit football, you know, I think I just might kind of unfuck my head for a while and just let you guys tell me what to do and put on some weight, right? It's going into November. I mean, that's generally when the Midwesterns kind of thicken up a little bit anyway. I don't know how you guys do out there on the West coast with all that heat and, you know, here everybody puts on about 10 pounds. So it just all seemed to kind of fit into place, you know, the training bulking up training protocol number two, um, it's time to, you know, put on some weight, move some heavy weights, kick some ass. Nice. So how'd you do in that competition, yeah. Denny? Why do we, why do we gloss over that? So I, uh, I totaled 213 and that qualifies me for the, uh, the Pan Am games, right? In 2014 in March, cause I'm now in the 40 to 44 age bracket and they're all a bunch of weak ass pussies in that age bracket because if 213 qualifies me to go to the Pan Ams. I mean, that, that was, uh, what, what were your numbers on the end? It was a 93 list? kilo snatch and 120 clean and jerk. I hope you, and I, I, I went out there. I, that's I about express this kilos from my, I hope you my current it. I hope you power snatch, power clean, and push pressed it because, uh, Denny, I mean, come on. You can fucking press 93 kilos. Dude, I, you know what? I did power snatch my first one. You know, that kind of – those kind of competitions are different because, you know, I could probably hit my one rep max snatch with 100 kilos. You know, I could probably hit that maybe two times out of, you know, five or six attempts if I was warmed up and ready to go. You know what I mean? So – when you're going to go out on a stage and, and you have to uh, get at least a number, you know, like powerlifting, when I warmed up, I kind of warmed up to that number and then went out there and tried to pull it. Here, backstage, I was hitting, you know, numbers higher so when I, so I could feel that heavy weight, right? Because when you got to pull it fast and to get under it in an established position, you could dump the weight, even though it's something that you can stand up with. But you could dump it just because you didn't get your arms right. So I didn't want to go out there and, and like on my first attempt, try my PR. I mean, I put out some numbers that 
I could, you know, land and, and do it correctly. And, uh, you know, I, I was happy with like a 213 total. Um, but like I said, it was about 10 kilos less than uh, what my, you know, what I could, my current PRs are. And um, it was fun. It was interesting, you know. Nice. Nice. Good job, Denny. I'm in the same boat. I got the American Masters Championship coming up. Uh, shit, next weekend, actually. Um, and then going to start the Balkan protocol right after that. Um, I just got to make weight. I live at 94. So, I'm you know, like, that was a huge mistake that I did is I was, uh, I wanted to go in as an 85 <laughs> and play tech. 85 is a girl weight. Why would I you want to go play tech? You only weigh 94 kilos? Uh, well, yesterday I weighed 95. Wow. Are you a grown man? Barely a man, John. No, I mean that's like uh, you know two ten. Two hundred seven is ninety four. Yeah, two hundred seven. Oh, that's wow. I I thought you were like two thirty. That's really. Yeah, yeah. Well, after the bulking protocol, maybe I will. I power snatched a hundred the other day, hoping to get one thirty or one thirty five clean and jerk. We'll see. Yeah. So it's you know. I don't, what are you, aren't you doing two, Steve? Aren't you going to do an Olympic lifting one and a powerlifting one? Uh, no. Cause when that squat crushed me a couple weeks ago, no. I can't, can't really low. I can't really like hit the back squat real good. Um, it just like, um, when I ended up going to the doctors and I tore a couple of intercostals and, uh, just, they're just slow to heal. You know, you can't do anything. So they're feeling good now. And, but yeah, so I'm not going to hit that. I'm not going to let the bar come down to my chest and, jack my shit up too it's, old. Uh, so I'm just going to actually compression. Like if uh, you wrap the uh, ACE bandages around your midsection real tight, like around your rib cage, it'll actually pull it in tight. And like the, the intercostals, you can actually kind of deal with it. I know that cause I tore an intercostal and they wrap okay. a, a real tight wrap around me, but imagine trying to play football with like your chest constricted with a tight wrap. So I remember like, like huffing and puffing cause I had all this compression on my chest. So uh, that was, uh, I mean, you could probably, do, it, it might even help in a squat. I don't know if they'd let you do it, but, uh, yeah, actually wrapping up your chest with like a tight ace bandage actually helps. Yeah. I think you mentioned that last time. And when I talked to Caleb about it, or I talked to somebody about it, they, they said that they didn't think it would fly. Um, so I'm just going to do the Olympic meet and then I'll hit another power lifting meet in the new year. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, you know, just throw on a t-shirt. I'm sure nobody will notice. <laughs> hey, like, is that guy wearing a girdle? What's oh, that? No, not a girdle. I don't wear shirts, John. I don't wear shirts. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. No shirts. Get it to win it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, yeah, that's, uh, I like the, I like the, the, I'm excited to read part three of the bulking protocol. How soon is that going to come out, John? What's part three? I thought you ended it saying that wait for part three. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what part three is, though. Is it? Oh, it's the meal timing. And then we also have tricks. And then uh, we have a uh, a uh, straight up hypertrophy program that we designed to actually go with the with the bulking protocol. That's uh, but I don't know. I mean. Uh, we might have to make that into an ebook just because I don't know. I don't think I could post it. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, it's, it's quality stuff. Yeah, it's actually really good. So yeah, we, uh, it's actually the hypertrophy program that we did, uh, with Ben and, and, and Luke and those guys about a, a year ago. And it, it definitely 
uh, you know, it's about 12 weeks long and it definitely hits some, uh, some pretty interesting stuff. So it's a lot of fun. And, you know, something like what, what John, I've been spent a lot of our time yesterday in the car talking about is if we do something like this, the trick about, I mean, what, if you were to put out a program that's for hypertrophy and some unadapted athlete gets their hands on it and they happen to be a squeaky wheel and it doesn't work because they're not yet adapted and you can't elicit the stimulus we're looking for out of them, then all of a sudden we have someone shitting on a program. And uh, so it's, we're trying to figure out a good strategy on how we can provide this information for people and, 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 and make sure and, it works. Yeah. Because, I mean, with the... The thing, and this is, uh, I, I know this sounds crazy, but you have to match the training with your level of adaptation. So, I mean, we, we've been saying it for years and, you know, we say it at the seminar and you, you've heard me beat it in like to death and maybe two or 300 blog posts and talk to me, Johnny, where it's like, dude, a beginner amateur cannot train the same way as an advanced individual that you can, you know, I can hand you a, a the program that the you know, Russian Olympic team did in the eighties, which I actually have uh, one of the Russian Olympic programs that those guys used is, you know, for 14 or 16 weeks building up to the Olympics, looking at the program, uh, you know, uh, like if you were to hand that program to a beginning Olympic lifter, would he get the same gains as that guy? No, like beginners have to train like beginners. And then the intermediate athlete has to train similar to the intermediate athlete. And then, you know, as you get into your more advanced athlete, everything has to change. And the, the program has to become, on a longer timeline with our beginners, we can recycle the program every week because it's a linear progression. You get into a collegiate program and it's more of a, uh, you know, you know, three week cycles and really six week cycles when we break it into it. And then you get into the advanced stuff and the cycles are really last, you know, anywhere from 12 to 24 weeks. And, um, you know, if you notice that the, the frequency of the movements and how we pair them and all that kind of, you know, you don't get to see it because the workouts posted every day and, unless you were to actually write it all up and we'd explained it to you, you kind of see it. But I think when, you know, we have in this day and age with the, with the internet, everybody's always going to look for what's the most advanced, what's the hardest, you know I mean? You know, we see it all the time with the, uh, you know, the outlaw stuff. I've never crossfitted before and I'm going to try to make the CrossFit games. Sweet. I'm going to do the outlaw program, not realizing that you got to be a pretty special athlete to be able to handle that much intensity, that much volume. And people start coming apart at the seams. And, uh, you know, the problem is, is that people just need to be realistic about where they are in their training. And, and, you know, here's the, here's the big thing. It, it's not, uh, it's not embarrassing. It's not a strike against you that you're new to this stuff. It's actually a plus which means that if you're new to this, you will make gains faster than some, you know, fucking dried up asshole like me. And you have an opportunity to do it right. Yeah. From, from day one. I mean, what we're what we're also trying to do is trying to put out a program that prevents you from falling into the pits of injury and messing up that I did. So, I mean, when I look at this thing, like there should be a, you know what, like this is year one and year two and you go on. And the, the Russians had a, a, couple, you know, a bunch of books. I mean, Louis Simmons, it's called training, you know, multi-year training for an athlete. What does that training look like day one to the first year and the third year? And then how do you progress them from their intermediate phase into their, into their world-class phase? And it's just, that's something that we've really been working on to try to be able to come out with not only the information for the power athlete book, which would be kind of a, uh, a manual of sorts, but then also come out with that training, a multi-year, uh, you know, power athlete, like how does it look like in the first 20 to six months? And then at which point do you 
workbook it over and move into a more intermediate template. And then once you're in that intermediate template, you've obviously established that you have a certain genetic potential to be able to jump into that professional level. And um, it's not a simple undertaking. And it's taken uh, not only, you know, 20 years of my life to do it, but it's also five years of looking across the football, training with these guys and seeing where these guys are in the adaptation and, you know, looking at girls like Chelsea and Callie and seeing where they are, and then realizing that there's this huge, you know, difference between training female versus male athletes based on, you know, some physiology and then cheating the physiology with the uh, lactic acid threshold training we do. I mean, there's just a lot, a lot of variables. And um, I wish I could just crunch it all up into a book and fucking spit it out there for people. But, you know, it it's a it's a work in progress. And like I see people that are just like pumping out these books, like ebooks, like they're fucking herpes on spring break and uh i'm just i'm just like blown away i'm like dude there's people just writing nonsense to fucking put it out there i mean like where's the substance you know where's the you know what we we've done this we realize this is the issue and this is the direction we've gone and this is how we're remedying it and i think that's what's uh you know luke and i drove up to get the camera fixed yesterday which was pretty funny because we got about two hours in the car to actually talk about this and, and i'm like dude i i have written really cool programs we've done really cool stuff they've elicited the response but the problem is when you put them out there, um, people are going to look at it and be like, great, I'm going to do this. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, it's you have to match up your level of training. Like We almost need like a questionnaire that it's like, OK, answer all these questions. And if you get to the end based on these questions, then this is what direction you are. And maybe that's how we put it together. We put together a questionnaire. You felt the questionnaire and we send you the program that fits with it. You have to find out if you're a big monkey or a little monkey, right? Yeah, I mean, that's that was awesome. That was a good story you told on that uh, the other week when you're on that other podcast. Yeah, I mean, the the big monkey deal is, uh, you know, important because not enough training and you're not going to elicit the response too much training and you're going to put yourself into overtraining and have some negative problems. Um, You know, maybe maybe that's another part of the questionnaire. And it's, uh, you know, but what we what's interesting, the way we kind of figure out big monkeys versus small monkeys is we start everybody at the same place. And if you can handle four workouts, we move to five workouts and you move to six workouts and you start adding workouts. And as long as you're continuing, continuing to get strong and stay recovered, like as if uh, I feel good, I wake up, I have good energy, my sleep is good. Um, you know, what does my weight look like? You know, what does my blood pressure look like? I mean, you, you start taking all these matrix. And if you are continuing to get stronger and the program is working, then you can continue to add volume. The problem is, is that if as you are progressing and you keep adding more and more frequency of movement and training and this, all of a sudden you start getting negative effects. Like I'm getting weaker. I'm getting injured. I am, uh, you know, I'm not recovering in this. Then you have to ratchet it back and start finding, you know, the dose relating. The problem is, is people really ignore the physical signs, like all of a sudden, hey, uh, I've been squatting five days a week and I can't walk down a stair or a set of stairs because my knees are in such so, such pain that my patellar tendons are giving out my knees are buckling. So I got to walk down sideways. That's a good indication that you are doing a frequency that is too high for where you are at or, you know what, or maybe you're not doing enough recovery. Um, every one of these programs, when you look at like the high level Olympic and a lot of these, uh, you know, training programs, there's always a caveat in it. That's like restoration techniques have to be maximized. Like I, I remember that's at the top of that Russian program, which probably, geez, it's gotta be 20 years old. 
but I remember looking at it and I, I got given it years ago. And I, and the first thing it says is after it talks about, you know, sets and reps and how to decipher the program, restoration techniques need to be maximized to survive this training. That's what they said. I mean, it's like you're reading it. You're like, not like complete this training, survive this training. And then you're going, you're looking at the reps and you're looking at the frequency and, you know, you're looking at the total volume and the tonnage and you're like, dude, this is, uh, uh, this is a ton of volume and where people really mess it up is the Russians looked at basing everything off of competition maxes or what they say their CTs, their competition train or their competition lifts. Whereas the Bulgarians looked at everything as their training maxes. So when you look at the Russian program and they say, Hey, I want you to squat 80%, uh, you know, that's 80% of your best squat, or I want you to snatch 75%. That's snatching 75% at your best snatch. Whereas the Russian stuff or the Bulgarian stuff was like, okay, I want you to, you know, train at 90%. Well, we know that there's about a 10% swing, uh, between training with a low heart rate, calm and collected, um, versus, you know, going into a competition, Denny, you were just there, you know, like you said, the juices are flowing. All of a sudden you might dump a, a relatively lightweight just because you're nervous. You haven't competed in front of people. So when we do a lot of our training here, we always tell people like, this is a long, this is a long journey. I don't need to fucking pump the music up to 10, fucking rip my shirt off, spit in my mouth, slap me across the face, you know, as you know, and take a fucking gallon of NO explode and try to get under there and squat that weight. I mean, the amount of psychological and emotional stress that that takes to do is extremely fucking debilitating. So what we say is, dude, calm, cool and collected. I want you to get up there. I don't want a high heart rate. I want you to bang out these reps. And so we really train within what we call our training maxes. And a lot of the percentages are based on the training maxes just because, uh, you know, we almost want like, I don't need you to be as psyched in the weight room as you are on game day to come train. And the problem is, is because you can only do that once a week. I don't know guys that can art, I mean, naturally come in every single day, like ready to rip a phone book in half. Um, and if they're doing it, they're usually taking something pre, you know, pre-workout to, to get them there. And if all of a sudden you start depending on training aids just to get you, you know, uh, to get you up, pretty soon you're going to be depending on training aids just to get you to even. And then what happens if all of a sudden you don't have your magic potion that way? I, I played with dudes that were, you know, popping pills and taking all this crazy shit all the time. And I, I in training camp, and my, my deal was like, that's fine, take it. Well, you can't take that shit for six weeks. You sure as hell can't take it for 17 weeks. And all of a sudden, dudes would come out that first day, all fucking high on uh, whatever they want to take. And we'd go out and bang it up, and I'd be like, "All right, you know what? It's 100 degrees out. Let me see how bad you're dehydrated." And they'd always end up fucking it up, and uh, you know they couldn't maintain that level of intensity. And I, I really got that from John Runyon, where he was like, "You know, hey, you know, the game's the game. Practice is practice. You got to be able to, you know, go out and do your job, and then elevate it. And if you're taking all the shit before the game or before practice just to get you up there, you're not going to be able to elevate as high. So, you know, it's just." Um, uh, you know, just kind of observations of having trained and how we kind of designed the program. And, I, you know, what we really need to do is not only have these training modules out there, but there needs to be some online resource. And this is something I'm on Luke to set up about, um, you know, being able to look at the workout of the day and then click on and then be able to see what the warm up looks like, see what the, you know, how the whole thing workout goes together. Because, like, for example, with the clusters uh, we just posted, um, you know, people are like, well, shit, how am I supposed to squat one to two reps at 90%? Well, I mean, if you look at realistically, you know, uh, 
most people should be able should be able to squat a five RM somewhere around eighty seven and a half to ninety percent of their one RM. So if I ask you to do a single at ninety and uh, wait thirty seconds, give me another single at ninety, and then jump it up on that, you know, and bump it up a little bit, um, you know, four to six reps at that range is not outside the realm of possible. I mean, I've watched guys squat seven or eight reps at ninety percent. So. Um, you know, it just, but it would be nice to actually have a video or, a, or, a, you know, something that goes along where we're actually talking about, okay, why are we doing the cluster? What's the stimulus? You know, how is this driving adaptation that now all of a sudden we're asking you to get, you know, three sets of four to six reps, which is somewhere in the neighborhood of 18 to 12 to 18 reps at over 90%. And if you look at something like Prolopin's chart, it's that that's a little on the, uh, on the, uh, the higher side. But you know what? We know that you know that central nervous system efficiency, that myofibular hypertrophy, all that stuff happens when you start training uh, north of that 85-90%. And um, you know that's what we're really trying to do. We're trying to find a way to pack volume and get a little extra volume at those higher rep ranges. And if you know, I mean, uh, you know, we've used rest pauses uh, for years because the you know the ability to you know, everybody's pretty recovered. And so that, that's a big thing too. I mean, everybody that's doing this training is in fairly good shape. So we can do things like that. Like if you ask a CrossFitter, like, or, you know, people in a CrossFit competition, Hey, I want you to work up to a one RM and uh, I want to, I want you to cut off some weight and I want you to give me one rep every 30 seconds. I mean, we saw it at Occupy Strength where we had people working up to their one RM and getting three lifts in like three minutes. People were resting like 45 to 60 seconds between one RM lifts. Remember and, when we were at that competition, they gave you three minutes to like an unknown workout and they announced it. And it's like, you have three, three minutes, minutes to get to your one two minutes to get your one, one RM back, back squat. squat. Yeah. They gave people two minutes to get to a one RM back squat and, and like, dude, and they, they, they like nobody warmed up. It was basically <laughs> like dudes were like getting under, they were doing like a hundred kilos and then loading on like 200. And like, dude, there was the craziest shit. People were ditching the bar. Like people were coming apart at the seams. There are dudes who were unloaded. Like they had maybe, 70 kilos on one side and 110 on the other. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a complete clusterfuck. I'm surprised somebody didn't die. But, uh, you know, like the clusters, I mean, uh, you know, and the clusters are great with done with contrast training. Um, you know, last year when we did, we were doing clusters with power cleans. This year we just did the clusters and then we'll go into a different part with our Russian stem. So, I mean, we're just really rotating the training. And it's kind of interesting. And, and uh, you know, we're repeating training blocks right now of what we did last year and, and two even two years ago. We're repeating some training blocks. And just because it's um, it's interesting for me to look at the data points compared to where people were last year, and uh, you know how the you know the weights they were handling. I mean, I you know the comments are down, and uh, you know I know the comments always aren't representative of the people doing the training. I think people just get tired of fucking commenting or, or posting their results. But it's it's important because it allows us to really see you know how the program is progressing. Are people getting better? Does it fit within where we are in this deal? And right now we're trying to basically, for the guys that aren't playing football, we're trying to basically add some volume and create some hypertrophy right now. Um, you know, as you notice, going into training camp, we, we got real high and it was kind of a peak progression to try to do some 1RMs. And now all of a sudden we kind of tailored it back and there was a little more conditioning and now it's kind of ramping up. And if you notice, a little longer rest periods, a little more hypertrophy work, and we're trying to put on some more mass and size. So that we can, you know, first of the year, we can kind of get back into another phase. And so it's just, uh, you know, the program kind of cycles in four ways. And it's kind of interesting in the kind of off season where there is no no football, uh, you know, because the program's written for kind of those four phases. So for people that aren't playing football, 
it's like, what do we do with them? You know, do we, uh, you know, what's the goal? So right now I'm just trying to fucking see if I can put on some mass and size. And that's why the, uh, the bulking protocol came out. So hopefully people jump on that and they match it up with the CrossFit football training. And hopefully we can create some bigger, fucking stronger people. Awesome. That's great. I'm not a talker. I'm not a talker. <laughs> yeah. Podcast. Well, that podcast. puts us at the two hour mark. <laughs> so, awesome, guys. Great. Is there anything else? I mean, uh, what else we got? We answered Chad's question. Yeah, we're we're on schedule, man. Carl, you we got anything? No, I don't think so. Unless you guys have anything else you want to ask me. <laughs> I'm not as interesting as Kelly. <laughs> don't you say that, Carl. No, you are. You're just <laughs> the Kelly. Tarik Tarik Makta. Tara, no, Tarik Makto. <laughs> you know, he <laughs> around on a winged dragon to a seven. It's pretty cool. He lands it in the parking lot. Uh, that was a that was a mind melting podcast. People love that one. Really? Yeah. Oh. Well, the the problem is, is uh, you know, the, the whole time I'm talking, he's cutting me off. You no, know? that's funny. That's exactly what he said. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'll, I'll tell you this: with Kelly, you almost have to fight for time, or it'll be in an hour of him talking the entire time. And I remember like sitting there and being like, "Dude, he's got more time. He's got more air time than me." Pot kettle black. Am I, I mean, guys, am I right? <laughs> yeah, he's a good talker, though. Who <laughs> star it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He just the, like the, the pitch in his voice, how he changes it. And it, I don't know. It just, it's like one of those voices where you can just hear him talk no matter what he's saying. Sounds like, he, you know, Dude, sounds Kelly, like it's intelligent. Kelly has a level of emotional intelligence and he's an excellent <laughs> public speaker. Um, his ability to uh, portray his craft vocally and his level of vocal awareness is so high that it's, uh, it, it's nice to be around and it's great to, you know, to be involved and work with them. I mean, we've taught seminars with them and it's always great to sit back and see how he, you know, kind of works the room and how he kind of plays into it and creates his ethos and you can kind of go back and forth. And he's, uh, you know, there, there's a reason why he's one of the best in the world at what he does. It's just not by accident. Yeah. You know, and there, there's a skill to that um, presenting in front of a group or just kind of lecturing in general. Uh, I saw that in Luke when I um, attended a seminar in June and I, I thought I heard John at one time on a, on a podcast. Didn't you work with like a speech coach? Yeah. There's a guy named Arthur uh, and I'm dropping his life. Arthur. Yeah. What is his name? Arthur. I can't remember Arthur's name. That's all right. Oh yeah. <laughs> Arthur Joseph. I'm sorry. Yeah. Arthur Joseph. I, I always, I, for some reason I have like a mental block against people that have two first names. Yeah. Never trust, never play cards with a man whose last name is a city and never trust somebody who has two first names. So Arthur Joseph is, uh, he's, he's kind of a, a legend in a lot of ways with this kind of vocal awareness and his deal is how to you know, change the world. And, uh, you know, through this vocal awareness and, and allowing people to be present when they're speaking. If you really notice a lot of people just brain off, mind off and just flows out of the mouth. And he's uh, really, really big on staying current and staying in the moment when you speak. And I, I worked with Arthur after an NFL gig. Um, I did a kind of a continuing education kind of MBA weekend through the NFL and Arthur was one of the presenters. And 
uh, we really hit it off. And I went and I worked with them uh, a couple times. And then my wife had the babies. And I've basically been in a hole for the last two years. So my ability to drive up to L.A. to work with a, you know, speech guy really got cut short. But he's worked with uh, Tony Robbins and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Barack Obama. He, he told me an interesting story about 20 years ago. Uh, he got uh, flown out to Chicago to meet with Oprah Winfrey. And he walked into Oprah's house and there was a, a young guy sitting at the table and she introduced him as the future president of the United States and it was Barack Obama. So uh, they've been grooming him for a long time. And I actually reached out to Arthur and uh, about being on our podcast and he's uh, interested. So we're going to try to set it up. I think um, not only is he an unbelievable person to speak with, I mean, he's one of those people you, as you're sitting there, you feel like, wow, it's just so relaxing. It's so nice. It feels so important. He's, he's just a very, very gifted individual. And, uh, you know, I'd love to have him on just because his perception and how he views things is so interesting. And I really think the power athlete, uh, you know, audience, uh, you know, would really benefit from just hearing from him. I mean, my, my, my goal is to search out and find the best people in the world at what we're talking about and get them on there. And I would love for, you know, at some point if we got, you know, a hundred thousand downloads and people are like, dude, these guys have some incredible guests. Like, where are they reaching out to these people? Well, and uh, another thing, Denny, you know, in terms of speaking, being a skill, we, we record all of our lectures at the certs and as part of continued development, we listen to everything. It's like, it's like watching game film and, uh, and you just, you hear how you, how you focus on certain inflections, certain words that, that get the, the focus of your speech that may or may not deserve it. And you go through and you make these notes. And John puts me on to Arthur's book. And it's funny going through his book, he's got a training system. you know. And when you take that term generically, when you talk about mastery of, mastery of your craft, whether it's weightlifting, football, swimming, or vocal awareness, legitimately everything's, everything's the same. There's warm-up protocols. There's practice protocols. Uh, you record, you film, and then you review. And like, yeah. it, it's pretty cool. It's pretty interesting. Just, you know, I'm, I'm excited. Hopefully we can get them on the podcast because people are going to be amazed at how much a vocal awareness training system resembles that of a, a training system that focuses on either work capacity or even power development. It's just, it's all the same components. It's, it's crazy. You stress the system and it adapts. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine that. Imagine that a species that's been evolving for millions of years adapts to stressors. I mean, that's everything, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what strength and that's what muscle is. I mean, their adaptations to stress. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, we've realized life. that the only way that people actually get better is by putting form, some form of stress. You know, I mean, it's like if uh, I mean, think, think about this. If if everybody got to go to college and there was no tests, would anybody really study? Right. I mean, how many people are legitimately, I mean, I can say that now that if I got to go back to college, I would be one of those annoying people that I probably hated where I would ask a million questions and I'd be like, professor, I just really want to just, I'm just here for the experience more so than like I was, you know, in college trying to play football, maintain my grades, graduate, you're kind of, you know, on this track. And I, I always wish that I could go back to college now at, at my age and, uh, you know, actually, take it for what it is really like, you know, we always talk about the dead poet society, but suck the marrow out of it. Really. I mean, there, there were so many things that I missed out on just for the mere fact that I was so hyper-focused on just doing well. And, uh, go back, man. Go know, back. I would love to, I, I, I tell my take wife night, every day, take that. A night class, you know, 
and whatever astronomy or I don't know because I have so astronomy. much time. You know, so much free time we just sit around screw around all day well I know I know it's you got little ones and a full schedule but you don't want to be 50 or 60 and look back and be like shit man I should have taken an astronomy course I should have listened to Denny and been like man I <laughs> <laughs> Denny Denny surprisingly I have taken an astronomy course in college I, I took a uh, Astro 10 that was about interstellar dust and it was taught by the uh, professor who first theorized supernovas. And I think he was the guy that designed that original screensaver of the supernova. Uh, the guy was probably hands down one of the smarter people. And here was the best part about the class. They, day one, they gave you the questions to the midterm and the final. So day one, they walked in, they were like, these are the 10 questions that are going to be on your midterm. These are the 10 questions that are going to be on your final. And uh, uh, was that just to the collegiate athletes who were there on a scholarship or? No, no, no. Every single person. <laughs> so, so, so they handed these 10 questions and they said, uh, three of these questions will be on your midterm. And then here they gave another, here's 10 questions. Three of these questions will be on your final. Good luck. That was how fucking hard that class was. I had the questions ahead of time. I spent the entire semester writing out those questions and preparing them. And then memorizing them for my final. And I think I only got a B minus in the class. And I went office hours every single week and went over them. That's how the level of the class and how difficult it was. So at that point, I realized I'm like, yeah, I'm probably not going to be an astrophysicist. (laughs) Damn. Well, like UC Berkeley is like an academic school, right? Are, Are you kidding? (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty good, Danny. Yeah, I mean, you're up there. Yeah, I mean, the well, yeah, like West Coast Danny, Ivy League. Danny just spent his weekend with Bon Jovi, so he lost a few brain cells. He yeah, that's right. on a steel horse I ride. Oh my god, <laughs> that's like, uh, yeah, like um, there's a lot of smart guys over at that MIT, right? Yeah. yeah, right. That's okay. Yeah, All right. I'm an idiot. Is, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, I, you know, I mean, if you look at this stuff, I mean, Berkeley is, you know, got to be top five. I mean, it's always, uh, you know, Stanford, Berkeley, MIT, Harvard, Yale. I mean, uh, those are really, you know, in terms of uh, pinnacles of learning. And I, I do have a lot of pride that, you know, Berkeley was a good school. And I Hell really yeah. wish I could actually say that if I hadn't played football, I would have got in. But uh, the valedictorian at my high school, did not get into Berkeley. So she had like a 1600 SAT and I think she had like a 4.4 GPA and did not get into Berkeley. So I always feel pretty good about that one with my 1200 SAT and my uh, 3.4 GPA in high school. Hell yeah. That kind of smashes like the, the typical athlete stereotype, right? Um, it seems like all the offensive linemen or, or most of them are like the smarter of the, of the group, you know? While the running backs and wide receivers, you know, they don't they don't know anything. I would right? say when when the guys get out of uh, out of football, like politicians and business owners, and you know, they seem to be like offensive linemen. You know, if you think about it, usually there's a direct correlation to intelligence and how close you are to the ball. So the closer you get to the ball, the more intelligent people are on the offensive side. So, like, if you look at it, like, the quarterbacks and centers are usually pretty sharp and the guards. And then as you get farther away from the ball, uh, you know, they say that there's – and, and that, that was pretty interesting. I remember hearing that at the uh, Combine 
they gave us like a bunch of intelligence tests. And um, I remember that there was definite scores that you had to fall like with the wonder lick and you had to fall within certain categories for your position that, you know, to be a center, you had to score certain to guard certain and tackles could be less. And then, you know, obviously wide receivers, we were kind of lesser and running backs, but quarterbacks had to have a certain score. And I remember the guy being like, you know, uh, one of the scouts told me the closer you get to the ball, the more intelligent you have to be. So maybe there's a direct correlation to that. So if you're a safety or a defensive back right now, and you're listening to this, no you just realized you're an idiot. Sorry your luck. Well, uh, you know, but that only correlates with um, with the offense. Actually, I think it is the farther away you get away, the farther you get away from the ball on defense, the smarter guys are, and the closer when you get to the ball for defense, it's uh, the dumber you are. So that means that defense alignment are uh, well. You definitely have to think less. I mean, mildly, and, yeah. I mean. It's go. It's yeah. smash. It's basically uh, Hulk smash. Yeah, Hulk smash. Mongo get ball. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the best is uh, we used to come up with like dummy signals, and we used to try to basically like fool the defense alignment all the time. So we would make dummy calls. We'd make the same call, and we kind of mess with them. The problem is, is the guy that I played next to, uh, Trey Thomas, would uh, would forget, and then he'd be like. No, 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 that's a call. And I'd be like, I'd look over at him. I'd be like, didn't we just say we were going to do a dummy call? And then he's like, no, let's stop doing that. I, I forget, you know. <laughs> and I, I remember, dude, I used to always give him a bad time. I'm like, dude, well, we're going out there to outsmart these guys. And we outsmart ourselves. We're screwed. He's like, yeah, let's not do that. So we stopped doing <laughs> dummy calls. All right, boys. All right, gentlemen. I got some squad clusters to take care of. Squats. Yeah. Good luck. Another great show as always. Carl, thanks for joining us. Keep Keep uh, keep kicking ass down there in CrossFit South Bend. Say hello to Aaron, right? I'll be sure to. He might about to, he might be out there banging some weights now. Yeah, yeah. I've been filthy. And uh, John, thanks for joining us. Steve, Luke, we'll talk to you guys next week. Adios. Good, All right, thanks, guys. See you guys. <laughs>